Hey there, welcome to ATL and 29, a podcast where we look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. We had a couple of very interesting games in Atlanta <laughs> this week. Uh, I'm here with Glenn Willis and, uh, you know, on a on a night when the Hawks scored, what was it, 147 points? Uh, I, I kind of want to start with the boring question of... Uh, why were there so many different things on defense tonight? What was going on? Yeah, they they played drop basically the whole game, right? Is that what you saw? Uh, I feel like I could say that confidently about the first yeah. half, and then I... yeah, yeah, I, yeah. When yeah, the second half when they had a on, they were switching one through five for a good chunk there, and I, you know, and I thought that was the only time that they had any kind of reasonable ball contains that group that was switching one through five. Um, and I kept asking myself, are they going to keep doing this when Clint comes back on? And I realized I'm asking the wrong question. The question is, are they going to keep doing this when Trey comes back on? Uh, and that was because that's the that's the biggest um, uh, hurdle to kind of overcome when you're trying to switch if it's one through five, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they didn't. They did not continue doing that, and they went back to having issues containing the ball. Uh, similar issue against the Pacers. I was, a lot of that was transition, pace, et cetera, which is a little different than what the Nets kind of presented tonight. But, you know, I, I just tweeted out the Halliburton shot chart and the Bridges shot chart, and you will see how few points came at the rim. Almost none. So, um, you know, it just kind of you know, helps you understand kind of kind of where the issue is. And yet they were so they were both kind of different too, um, yep. and, and how they scored because you know Bridges was doing so much damage from eleven feet, and Halliburton was just shooting space lasers from Alpharetta and God knows where else. That that was like watching an alien play basketball, <laughs> Halliburton. I mean, like, what is like? How is how are all these shots going in? You know, I mean, he he's a fun player. I know that. Hawks fans get a little annoyed by the is Brunson better than Trey? Is Halliburton, you know, I mean, that's I guess that's normal kind of fan chatter across fan bases and stuff like that. But I mean, if you if you I guess I have to have, to have two qualifiers here. If you weren't invested in the outcome, like to the point that you were stressed about the result of the game, those were two fun games to watch. Um, if you if you enjoy defense, maybe not quite as much. <laughs> you know, um, uh, but they were still like entertaining games for sure i mean and, and trey like you know you know kind of went toe-to-toe in in, in both games and kind of you know doing his thing yeah so when you said trey came back and they they got out of the switching what did they go back into at that point uh b- drop basically okay. um and there were there was they were switching some two through four like when they had to mm-hmm. and stuff but they basically kind of went back to to letting clint drop and it's funny i like Clint, like that was the most energetic game I've seen him play maybe all year. And I was like, well, he's he's getting to play drop. He's probably pretty excited <laughs> about the opportunity, you know. Um and then they yeah, still I mean, kind of they still kind of use a show for like guard guard stuff with Trey. Like they would have Trey yeah. show and then go back. Yeah, and, and and as a matter of fact, that uh putback that Cam Johnson had, right? You and I talked about this um, you know, I I think with, with Tyler that there was a there was a play the Brunson jumper that was the, the 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 dagger in that game. Trey and Hunter did not navigate 
Trey's show technique well, and it kind of made Hunter late getting in front of Brunson, and Brunson being the you know master tactician that he is, took advantage, and he had Trey had had Hunter on his heels the whole possession, and Hunter couldn't really contest the shot the way he'd want. Tonight, yeah, sometimes sometimes a bad that. show is like a pick. <laughs> right, right, and and, and t- <laughs> tonight I'm like to happen. I know, I know, and then it's and also it's like how many times has it been Hunter and Trey? This year, right? That it's all most teams are throwing DeJounte and Trey into that scenario, right? <laughs> um, but but tonight it was Trey and DeJounte on that play that ended up with the Bridges miss. You know, still a pretty good quality look there that he had on that kind of little floater on the left side of the uh lane. Um, and 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 he DeJounte and Trey it was just like a tick of a hesitation of how how do we work around each other, right? And Bridges just attacked, just like Brunson did. Hey, they both went to the same school. Maybe there's there's a correlation there. I don't know. Um, but but I mean he he attacked immediately and DeJounte could not get back in front of him at all. And then it collapsed the defense. Bay tried to get over there and it looked like like I rewatched it a few times. Like mm-hmm. in live, I was like, what is he like he's doing nothing, you know? But on the rewatch, it looked like he was actually trying to take a charge. Didn't look right. like it was the most it doesn't look like it was the best decision but he was trying to do something you know he wasn't out there doing nothing but right um no i so, do yeah, think it's a charge or a yeah, charge well, an attempt to draw a judge but yeah. you know you gave us the segue for bay like in terms of things that were complete head scratchers right like we asked questions in the preseason like okay if there's one possession at the end of a game with timeouts and you just need a stop you know i was like well are you ever going to play clinton and yeka together they had that situation tonight and Brooklyn came out with no bigs. They didn't play either one of them. They put Bay yeah. out there. What what was that? Yeah, I I I think when they're gonna switch, they like Bay in that group. And in fact, he was part of the group that was doing it well. Um, you know, and helping contain. And it's not his, it's not mobility, it's not unilateral quickness. Um, it's he's strong and it's hard to like push him. You know, past the point of a screen, he's good at, um, you know, he's good at kind of just being physical around a ball screen and kind of just disrupting things. Um, you don't want to get him isolated on a on an effective ball handler, but I mean, does Brooklyn really have any of those tonight? I mean, Cam Cam Thomas wasn't playing. You know, I mean, I was dying for them, and I want to welcome in uh, our good friend, my good friend, Kevin. Yeah, just just keep that once. for yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Brad Rowland in here. Can't wait to hear uh, from him in a few minutes. But, but, but Kevin and Brad, I'm watching Bridges get to mid ranger, mid ranger, mid ranger, mid ranger, and I'm like, can we make him create as a passer? Can we make him create for someone else? And that's what I was like over and over. Just like, can we like run a second defender in him or or something to force him to make a decision that's not getting into a twelve foot step back that he was draining all night long. The Hawks could never make him do something else, um, you know, really uh, until like one possession really, really, really late, you know. Um, And but otherwise it was like, you know, he was working one on one. So, I mean, I was like, why can't they make him? It's sort of like, I mean, not the obviously he's not the same class. But when Kevin Durant has it going, the the textbook that every coach uses is we got to force him to be a passer. Right, because he's not as advanced as a passer as he is a scorer. He's he's one of the what best five scores ever in the history of the sport. So it's not like you know I'm saying anything bad. But when I'm watching Bridges, I'm like, can this guy create for others? 
can we find out if he can create for others? You know, because he looks super comfortable getting to his own shot. And getting to the middle of the floor. It just seemed like Yeah. You know, you could they they never had success just kind of keeping him away from the middle. Okay, Brad, what do you want to talk about? We've been talking about uh this next game, but we also at some point have to talk about the Pacers game with space lasers and uh all sorts of things. Listen, I'm I'm just here uh observing. No, I, I just wanted to come say <laughs> happy Thanksgiving to both of you. Uh and thank you for having me on I guess allowing me to crash the show. For those of you who may not yeah. know this, Kev, Kevin just drops the link in. And so it's just open season. Like anybody anybody can come in if they can find the link to this thing. Uh but no, I I was intrigued by by this evening's game. I agree with that last point that I just heard before as I logged on about making Bridges a passer because I don't think he likes to pass very much. <laughs> all uh, all respect to I, I like Bikil a lot. Uh he's not a facilitator at this stage. So um as much as he did make some tough shots, I will at least note that. Um but I think the the comp there to Kevin Durant makes sense because Durant makes tough shots too, but at a certain point it's the NBA and you kind of have to stop just shrugging your shoulders. You have to change something because guys are capable of making tough shots. And I mean, I have to go back through the play by play, but uh, how many 12 to six to 16 foot jump shots did Bridges make in the fourth quarter in overtime? It had to be eight. I think he had 23 in the fourth and overtime. And I bet you most of those were on, you know, quote unquote tough mid rangers. So, uh, I guess that at some point they're less tough. Yeah, the look of we can't do anything about this is bad. <laughs> like for that extended time, right? And I, 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 I mean, and I don't, I, I almost hesitate to say this because we all hear, right? You're making excuses. I know they were tired. I know they need offensive lineups on the floor, you know, et cetera, et cetera, uh, and stuff. But that's that's a bad look. I mean, when you when it's like the same thing over and over and over, and you're like, yeah, we got nothing. That's, I mean, that's, that's, that's rough. It wasn't great. I got to be honest with you. It wasn't great, but they made enough stops. I, I thought I'm, I'm, I'm sure that you guys at least have heard or maybe have seen or read that, you know, Quinn wasn't even ready to talk about the offense after the game. It was uh, every question was directed to the defense post game, yeah. which I thought was interesting and, and, and in a positive tone too. It wasn't like he was right. saying uh, he wasn't dwelling on the defense being bad. Like he, he was trying to be upbeat about the defense and, I kind of took his point. Like, I think they were probably better defensively than the numbers would have said. Yeah. I don't know about you guys, but uh, I, I thought it was interesting that he uh, maybe just some proactive pushback to a game that was in the 140s and all the stats that are thrown around about these two games. But uh, Quinn was like very upbeat about the defense, and I, I don't think I don't think he was wrong. I just I, I took note of that. I thought they played hard the whole game on defense, yeah. pretty much. It's a weird, weird result. That might to, to kind of shift one other tiny little thing so, so that Kevin can kind of take this wherever he wants us to go. Since he's in charge here, you know. Um, my favorite detail, like that I found re-watching fourth quarter overtime was that they that Jacques Vaughn, who I think, I mean, this happens a lot. He's a much better coach in his second iteration, right? As a coach, right? And he and he had a tough like situation in Orlando with a really, really young team and you know, not the most coherent kind of organization at the time but Lonnie you know on that last play where the Nets have to get a bucket the screener for Bridges is Lonnie Walker like we can't do better than that we can't find a bigger body to screen Bridges to I mean that made me really kind of ask myself like what is going on here why why and, and then the Hawks did a great job of kind of forcing Bridges to make the play 
Um, Dinwiddie, you know, came up to kind of, I think, be like, hey, give me the ball, you know, but I mean, there wasn't really time for that. And then Dinwiddie, by doing that, kind of walked Hunter straight into a help position, which was bad for Lonnie Walker, who's not really experienced in that situation at all. But I was just really surprised that it was Lonnie Walker sitting that screen and not somebody that had more more size. That's a good point. I kind of want to take it back to the beginning uh, of the podcast where we were like, okay, the the Hawks were playing so much drop, and I'm just wondering, is that like just like a new tool for them to use when they want to use it, or is it? Do you think that it was just a byproduct of a it being a back to back? Because I remember the last time. You know, when I was thinking that the show was getting, you know, the overuse of the show defense was maybe getting a little bit annoying was the last time they had a back to back because in the second game of it, it just looked like they wore down. And the game against the Pacers was absurd, you know, just just a preposterous (laughs) pace. Do you think that they were just like, yeah, screw it. We're going to play. We're going to play drop defense for uh, a half just because uh, it, it might save us a little bit energy wise on the second half of a back to back. Hmm. Uh I think it could be that. I think it also could be a little bit of, you know, we've lost three games in a row. And I I I have had this theory that I think I've shared with both of you in different places. I think that if they had to win a game for their lives right now, they'd play more drop. If that makes sense. I think that a lot of what they're doing with the blitz stuff I'm not saying they're they're not trying to win because they are, but I, I don't. I think a lot of that is like trying to build principles versus solely focusing on that night. And I think it, the combination of what you said it makes perfect sense because I'm sure they were more gassed than usual after playing at that pace last night, and then knowing that at least probably probably having a good idea pregame tonight that they were going to play eight guys. I mean, they, they play eight guys for the most part. AJ played three minutes, so. <laughs> I mean, you don't usually teams do not uh, trim the rotation down on second out of a back to back. Usually going the other way, and the Hawks went the other way in this game. So uh, it could have been a little bit of just like we can't ask in particular Clint to show for 28 minutes tonight, kind of thing. Um, Or it could have just been like we got to get a win, or combination of all three or of those. You know, it's I'm intrigued by. I wanted to ask and didn't get a chance to post game about that exact thing. But uh, yeah, I I'm I'm intrigued to know the answer. I don't know if we'd ever actually get a straight answer on why they did that. <laughs> but I, but I, I do want to know. Actually, I mean, we talked joked about it recently. The three of us, even I think, at some point, it was like, are we going to look up in January or February and they're going to be playing drop again? Like if it's not if it's not working, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there's always that button to press. You know, kind of infamously, Milwaukee already pressed it this year, where they kind of had a a team mutiny against Adrian Griffin. They were like, Hey, we're, we're, we're going to play drop again. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, look, it's not, we're not, we're not to that point, but, um, yeah. and, and that probably wouldn't happen here, but I, there is always that tool. I mean, and that's something that when you played as much drop as they have in the last couple of years, Quinn knows that they can do that whenever they want to, which is probably uh, give him some freedom. Yeah. I mean, that's another fair. possibility is Rick Carlisle broke it. Right, <laughs> you know what he can do. Yeah, it's funny. I was, I was. Um, screw Rick really He started doing all that ball pressure last night, and that screwed the Hawks up. I know, and it's like you got damn, damn you, Rick Carlisle. Yeah, I know. He, he's too good. <laughs> he's a him. He's a he's a really good coach. But yeah, you know, I, I, I this weekend had been a long time since I had a chance to do. It. I went. I did. A, I jumped into a Twitter space. I said some Hawks fans started up. It was a really great conversation. Good people, and 
appreciate it was it was fun like so you never know how those things are gonna go like you know you, you know sometimes they go a little bit sideways and stuff but that was a great one and i was talking with them about the fact we had a conversation about the fact that when they're playing you know show coverage getting clinton and yucca up the floor that leaves two defenders on the baseline side when that's Jalen and hunter they're good when that's one of Jalen or hunter there's solid when that's hunt when that's uh bay and bogey they're toast yes <laughs> you know and so like in the pacers game carlisle i mean I, I, I i'm gonna say this it's gonna sound stronger than i mean but carlisle beat quinn to the punch with adjustments in that game and they absolutely attacked you know on the baseline outnumbering them on the baseline side whatever it was bay and bogey and Carlo just broke that. At one point, Quinn had to just take his shooters off the floor. And so Quinn, Carlo put Quinn in a spot where he could choose offense or defense. And, and in no way could Quinn get both ever in that second half against the against the Pacers. And I and there is a little like I'm curious, like was Quinn was like, Yeah, we gotta rework that, you know, or we gotta make some adjustments, or I need I need options or or whatever it is, because They've navigated difficulties in that area, but it was never like a sustained, just kind of like a really broken state on defense for so long as we saw in that Pacers game. And so I think a part of it was, I wonder if Quinn's like, yeah, my team doesn't really have confidence in doing that right now, depending upon what lineups on the floor, or we need some time to work on that or, or whatever it is, because I mean, the Pacers broke when it was bogey and Bay. the Pacers like got, every shot they wanted, every possession for, I'm overstating that some, but, but it was bad. <laughs> yeah. Those two guys cannot cover all that space. They can't, they can't do it. They physically can't do it. And that's something Quinn, I think, and his staff have to figure out. That's a fair point. By the way, I, I wonder, I wonder, since I brought it up earlier about like Quinn kind of being overly effusive about the defense, it kind of fits in with Glenn's point. Like, I wonder if he's kind of just trying to build them back up now. Uh, you yeah. know, it, it would have been easier to and look. It's these guys are pros, but there is a little there's a little bit of messaging that always happens publicly, privately. You know, Quinn taking the technical foul today. It, 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 that had a feel like he kind of I mean, he definitely lost his mind. But I wonder how much of that was was performative because of how early it was in the game. And he went really, truly nuts. Like, I haven't seen him go that crazy yet. I, I thought he was going to get his own team yeah, fast break. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Igor, Igor stepped in or I think he might have gotten tossed. Um, and I wonder how much of that was messaging even. I mean, I, I don't want to, I'm not, I'm, yeah. I, I don't know, but it felt like he was, he kind of had, a, he was on, on message in a couple of different ways tonight. Yeah. This game was, this game was about to get off track. And Quinn, when he put a yuck out there, went one, three, five switching, they actually contained the ball for, I don't know, five, six minutes, maybe a little bit more. And then there was a stretch where, DeAndre Hunter like dominated the game for like three minutes, or maybe four. I don't know. I mean, it felt it felt like eleven because it was Hunter you know, doing it, you know. Um, but like the Hawks, like were just putting up all they were doing on offense for for like two or three possessions, maybe four or five. I don't know what it was. Was just coming down, putting up jump shots and missing them. Second night of back to back, they played at warp speed the previous night, right? And Hunter starts attacking the paint and attacking the paint and attacking the paint and getting to the free throw line, getting it and one. And then he made a few, a few plays on defense. And I think Hunter's better when Clint's dropping, you know, two. Um, in that case, though, they were switching and Hunter was disruptive as a guy who was kind of, you know, in a really, really good hell spot. I think I think if Hunter doesn't have that, Hunter had a rough first half. He kind of had his, I'll say, kind of his normal mixed 
results first half, I thought, tonight. In the second half, though, there's no way in my mind they win this game if Hunter doesn't have that stretch where he starts attacking the paint. He stayed, but I mean, so the words don't even make sense in a way coming out of Melba. He stabilized the offense for like four minutes. And that was a huge difference in the game in my mind. Yeah, I mean, it's he can do that with the right parameters. Like it has to involve the same thing over and over again. It's like he has to be given his right hand and he has to not have his dribble attacked. But if you just let him work somebody one-on-one, he's going to do it. Like he's got great touch. He's a great shooter. So you have to kind of close out hard to him and and he can go to his right and feather up shots if if there's nobody kind of digging in his way. All fair points. I had something I was going to say and I forgot. Oh no. Well, it's because you didn't spend the whole night talking to me. Like you often do during these games, or or more 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 over it's me usually just saying things and you having your headphones in. Um, <laughs> I I did I, just for everybody to listen. To, I I sat next to John Hollinger yesterday, and uh, he got he got my usual. Uh, Kevin and I sit next to each other most of the time at home games. I should just reveal that for everyone. And uh, I I say a lot of things, and Kevin hears half of them. Um, I was doing the same bit to John Hollinger. I don't think he enjoyed it as much as Kevin usually does. Not that Kevin enjoys it either, but I, you know, I was like, "Hey, that's uh, maybe John's not ready for my running commentary for forty-eight <laughs> minutes." Uh, I had I had to kind of realize that in the middle. And by the way, tonight our our friend Wes Morton got it instead. So Wes, uh, yeah, sorry, Wes. Yeah, that's like when I try to go debrief with my wife right after the game ends, and you know, 30, 40 seconds, she's with me. When I go to like my third point, she's like, "Yeah, we're done." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm not that interested. You start talking. You start yeah. talking about 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 DeAndre's uh, help defense, and that that's just the end of the conversation. Wow, yeah, exactly. Hey, honey, come in here. Look, look at this play. Let me explain this play <laughs> to you. She's throwing tomatoes at me from the kitchen. You know. So yeah, yeah. Um, is Trace shooting fixed, guys? Uh, like I would have. I would have said yes in the first quarter. These last two games, it was just crazy. Yeah, uh, he was due. I, I mean. I think we all kind of understand that he was due for some positive regression. I don't, I don't know if it's fixed, but it was never going to be as bad as it was for the first, whatever it was, 11, 12 games. It's just no one Trey, you can debate on where Trey's real level is in terms of like his efficiency, non free throw division his effective, effective focal percentage. But I think we all can agree. It's, it's not as low as it was. So he was, he was kind of due for a couple of these games and it happened to be back to back. And I will say he cooled off tonight. Like he was so hot in the first half that he, first quarter, I should say that he had yeah. to cool off, but he, he still ended tired. up. Yeah. He got tired. I mean, they all, they all, I'm sure they yeah. all were, but he, yeah. you know, him making six threes in a quarter was maybe the, uh, Hey, remember this night kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's encouraging, you know, for sure. And it has to feel good for him, you know, uh it's it's consistent with his career arc like he's always been somebody who makes a lot of threes in january february and march yep and he's always kind of started slow and in you know october november december you know that's always sort of the catch-up period yeah it's more Um, concerning honestly the the floater thing is a little bit more concerning than the threes it always kind of felt like the threes would come around even tonight, yeah. he had the he had the one in regulation that if he if he makes it, they probably just win it in regulation, and it was wide open from three feet, and it's just like, and he missed another one in overtime. I I don't know, I don't know if it's the yips or what's going on with the floater, but it's been, I, it's a, yeah, that's it's I think lost. if he I think if you asked him what's going on with the floater, and he was really honest, he would say, 
I want Clinton and Yucca behind the defender. Like I want them in the like in the Ducker spot. I want them threatening the weak side of the rim. And that's and I and I use that to kind of freeze the big man for coming coming all the way at me. And because Clinton and Yek are typically up the floor and kind of cutting or or trailing or whatever they're doing, I think Trey used that kind of point of tension with the big having Clinton and Yek behind the big. I think that's bothering him. That's what I think is going on. Wasn't Clinton the dunker spot a lot tonight? He was a little bit more, yeah. Yeah, more. It just felt like that was actually that was causing a lot of the trouble for the offense. It felt like, you know, every time Jalen or Dejounte turned a corner, they would get a certain amount of momentum and then sort of have to ease up because they didn't like what was coming down the line. Like they didn't feel like they could get all the way to the rim just because there was too much stuff there. That is the trouble with having. I mean, obviously. I'm a Clint zealot to some level, but that is the tr- that is the trouble with having Clint on the floor and not in the primary action. It's just always going to be the trouble. Like he doesn't do much else for you. Oh, obviously, right. he was and huge on the opposite glass tonight. That was that was a big thing. Like, how many tip yep. dunks did he have in this game? Like four, <laughs> five. Like and he it's was just different for Trey because he Trey can get the pass to him no matter what the window is. And but Dejounte and Jalen, it's just like mm. well, there was that one. There was that one. You guys might even talk. Before I got before I got here, there was the one that Jalen had in the fourth quarter where he, he had that moment of indecision and ended up kind of being caught in between. Yep. And he turned it over, um, and that was like, oh, if that's uh, if that was a Kongwu, maybe he makes a more de- a more decisive move because he, he just kind of knows a Kongwu better and he just throws it up. Whereas like yeah. with Clint, maybe he maybe he thought that split second like is Clint going to finish this? Like I, I don't I don't mean in that in a negative way, but you know what I mean. It's just not yeah. the comfort level wasn't there. Yeah, well, uh, it was he 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 was short rolling that the one you're talking about when he was short yeah. rolling right. Yes. And and he, he's like, oh, I got Clint. And then DeAndre was in the left corner. And yep. his defender, I can't remember who it was, kind of came down onto Clint. And I did think that made Jalen go, oh, maybe I don't, maybe this is going to be tough for Clint, you know. And if he had to do it all over again, he probably just kicks it to DeAndre in the corner, right? Because DeAndre was wide open in the corner, you know. Yeah, I think they were um, actually, they were actually both open. And he just couldn't decide which one to do. Like, if he had thrown, yeah. if he had thrown the pass to Clint in the way that he could have thrown it, it would have been a dunk. And if he had thrown the pass to DeAndre, it would have been a wide open three. And it just he just yeah. kind of got caught in the middle, which happened sometimes. It was, just, it was uh, decision fatigue at a bad time. Yeah, then you had the one where he he kind of delivered a pretty hot pass to DeAndre in transition. And it's like, Jalen, just keep that, man. I, then... I started laughing. I have to admit, I started laughing on press road. So, so did Wes when that play happened, because it was just the DeAndre experience, because he just was yeah. either wasn't ready or wasn't uh, or or just didn't catch it. One of the two. And I, I, I kind of had to just chuckle involuntarily about that play. It was just. Yeah, I, I think the rule is like with his Clint or De- DeAndre, which sounds kind of weird, but like, don't give it to him late or don't give it to him. Like once you kind of narrow that space and kind of have a defender who can kind of gap you, you know, Give it to DeAndre early. Let him give it back to you for the dunk, or just go down and you know attack the rim. Whoever's down there is not going to really be able to do much with you. So, but I mean, th- these are the reps that Jalen has to get. He's still learning. You know, he's done what he's short rolled what fifty times in his career now, maybe. You know, not a thousand. You know, and and that's kind of part of where he is. He's I mean, he's a phenomenal athlete. He's learn he's learning so quickly. Um, and he's putting it together, but he still needs a lot of reps to kind of just keep refining and refining and refining. And that reps are feedback loops. And, 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 and I'm so impressed with like how much growth he shows even week to week. Sometimes it feels like, but there are going to be plays like that while he's still getting these reps, you know? 
She's his teammates need reps with him too. Like uh-huh. the Hawks yep. almost screwed up overtime because there were two two instances where Dejounte just missed Jalen in transition, and he's they, they're going to have to you know work that out so that if Jalen has an unfettered path to the rim, that there's got to be something there for Jalen. Like Trey's going to get that ball out if if he's in that situation, but you know. It's a little bit different for DeJounte. Like, I think one of them, you know, DeJounte's dribbling it with his left hand, so it's going to require sort of a, you know, one of those quick left-handed one-hand flicks to get it to Jalen, but you got to do it. You still got to do it because, like, the, the, the gamble there is the pass. It's not even the shot. Like, if you can get that one-handed left-hand pass out, Jalen's got it. Like it's if, a dunk. If, yeah. It's a dunk, yeah. So, yeah. you know, they, they've yeah. got to figure out some of this stuff in transition because – you know, where do you put Jalen on the percentile chart of NBA players for what they can do in transition? I, I feel like it's got to be like 98 plus, like he's, yeah. he's, he's a 98 plus percentile player, even among all NBA players. Like he's, he's just amazing in transition. And so, yeah. but the uh, thing is, is that, you gotta like, optimize that. Yeah. What is like, but if you think about what does DeJounte want to do with these in transition, he doesn't really run your kind of traditional three on two, two on one. He wants to slash to the rim. He wants to just slash to the rim, yep. kind of go up with one hand. And then if the defender forces a drop-off pass, he hits that every time, right? And so, I mean, I think about like, well, I mean, you wish DeJounte was just kind of your more traditional three-on-two, two-on-one kind of you know lead guard in transition. But that's just not his instinct. His instinct is to attack the rim. He's a really, really aggressive player in transition. He wants to go right at the rim. And go as deep as he can until a defender stops him. And the pass he executes, like I said, more often than not is a drop off. And 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 that's again, that's that's repetitions of Dejounte and Jalen working together too. And maybe Jalen understanding, like I'm not going to get a lot from Dejounte. You know, I'm going to put myself in position to stress the defender that's trying to defend this two on one, and I'm going to create the drop off angle for Dejounte. That's just, I mean, I mean, one one could criticize. That that's what DeJounte wants to do, but that's what he wants to do in transition is slash to the rim and drop off if needed. Oh, I will criticize. That's terrible. I'm sorry. <laughs> if you have a teammate who's streaking in unfettered, like they just they got a path to the rim, like I don't care what your style is, give them the freaking yeah. ball. <laughs> the, the one, the one in the that the, the big one in overtime, they're up five with the ball there, and DeJounte yeah. flips it to Trey and ends up like a, with like a 32 footer. That he misses badly. It's a long rebound, and suddenly, like the Hawks were losing within like forty-five seconds. Like it was that was a like at least a four-point swing. If and it was, uh, yeah, it was it was it was a big moment. And I there have was to some, say, that was one. There were two one consecutive possessions like, of that. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm not defending Dejounte, but I'm the, the 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 mental process. I'm it's like if I were coaching, you know, someone who had this kind of instinct that had this natural preference to kind of do that how would i approach the problem would i just say bad DeJounte? you know i don't know DeJounte, so i don't i don't know how you can coach him and things like that and obviously i don't coach nba players i mean it's not even a thing at all but i would i would want to know like how do we kind of problem solve this right is just give the ball to Jalen and you space him you know i mean you know is that the you know i i would want to kind of take a step one step two step three Let's kind of kind of work towards the solution here, as opposed to just being bad Dejounte, because he is so good in transition. Um, you know, even tonight, even though tonight he missed a couple of 
you know, in a vacuum, super obvious place for sure. Well, so those were bad. Yeah, those were bad. Those were bad plays. Yeah. I mean, did you? What did you think of the one in transition against Indiana with eleven seconds left? Yeah, I mean his. his it, was, it was bad. His decision making, and I, I will not go long. I know we're running a time constraints. His, Dejounte is not the best decision maker in the world, as far as like high level guards are concerned. I mean, that's that's a very simplistic way to put it. But I don't think that he is um, on the percent on the ninetieth percentile spectrum of just decision-making process related things in general when it comes to that kind of, I mean, and it's less, it's less visible because he's playing, he's playing next to Trey. I think it's more visible when he's, when he's, when he's the guy, but I I think he, he defaults to what he defaults to, to bring it all back to this conversation. Like I think he, he has his things he's comfortable with and he trusts himself, which is good, but I think that he kind of, he settles a lot and um, late game tonight, even in regulation, he had a couple of plays where I'm like, what, what was your, what was your plan on this play? And he, and he, he did make one that was a big shot at one point. I think it was like three minutes to go, but um, yeah, just not the, not always the cleanest. Um, You know, it's kind of just stagnates sometimes when he has the ball. Yeah. Yeah. And not, yeah, to, it, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, go, go ahead, Gavin. I'll, I'll call I just you. wanted to say not to pile on, like respectfully, like, you know, I'm criticizing some of his passing decisions, but uh he laid it out for two two consecutive nights. Like, oh, man, oh he yeah. was dinged up after the Pacers game and still played like thirty six minutes in this game or something no, like I, that. I, that was... Yeah, I did my I did my show before before I came on here and I was I, I made sure to say it like three times. Like Dejounte, I I think was pretty hurt. Like he they actually added him to the injury report late, which mm-hmm. is usually like they don't do that for no reason. I think he was actually in doubt of playing tonight. Yep. When he, when he came out to warm up, he, he didn't look great in warm ups. I watched that entire warm up. He was moving pretty gingerly. So, like, he gets kind of a pass from me on a lot of stuff tonight because, like, I think he was pretty banged up back to back and he still played, like, like you said, a ton of minutes. So, and he did um, not he, have yeah. easy defensive assignments. Like, no, he had to guard some no. serious players. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, you know, for me to kind of go back to that, it's a, I, I believe DeJounte firmly feels that he's at his best when he's being really aggressive. And I think his idea of being aggressive is just attacking the defense, just like ruthlessly attacking his defender, ruthlessly attacking the middle of the defense. And that's what he wants to do, right? So as a coach, like it's, it's sort of like the flip of the conundrum with DeAndre, like right? where I feel like a lot of Hawks fans want DeAndre to be a different person than he is. Like, just go attack. And it's like, that's not who he is. Right. That's not his personality. It's not his makeup. That's not the way his wiring is. Right. Yeah. Uh, if you and if you try to like if you try to turn DeAndre into someone who just played at 100 miles an hour all the time, it would be an absolute disaster. It would be horrible. Right. It would ruin his career. <laughs> you know, it would be terrible. Right. You want him to go faster within a template of of two or three things that he can do on the cuts, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And and that way, Dejounte has been by has bought into more three point shots this year, yep. more catch and shoot this year, mm-hmm. and more space the floor this year. And so there are some areas where he has really bought in and done better. Yep. But I feel like you know when I watch him, I'm watching a player who really believes in being super aggressive and and that being a higher priority for him than process in a lot of cases is what keeps him productive and keeps him kind of making an impact right does that mean that we're going to excuse him from missing obvious plays that's not what i'm saying i'm just saying if as a coach you have to approach not just the the problem in a vacuum or the problem academically but the human being that's a part of that thing you're trying to solve and figure out how to do that without kind of 
asking him to be a thing that that lessens his you know constant confidence in himself or lessens his overall kind of um you know feeling that he can kind of impact the game with his aggressiveness so it's 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 a tricky thing to kind of solve for that doesn't mean that any of those plays were not bad plays they were bad plays it's just it's just not as easy to fix as a coach as sometimes i think people think you need like the Wayne Gretzky, like messy highlight reel <laughs> inspired to have, you know, you, you yeah. can't, you're not insulting him because it's not even the same sport, but you're just getting him inspired to, to have that vision. Like <laughs> I can do this. I, you know, where are my guys? I don't want to miss an opportunity for one of my guys. If it's there, uh, because yeah. you know, I honestly like, can get out of it. Yeah. If it were me, like st- possibly step one is, Hey, DeJounte, when it's you and Jalen two on one, just give Jalen the ball. And you yep. you fill the lane. That's what I would. Jalen's better. He's better at it. At that, yeah. There's no question. I mean, it's uh, which is not. It's not by the way, that's not a shot at Dejounte. You can also frame it like, hey, Jalen's no, like one of the no. best in the world at this. Jalen can just uh, tank yeah. people at the rim. That's just Dejounte. Dejounte runs to the rim. He gets pushed back. He puts backs. He you know he, he works really hard too. But I think sometimes simplifying the solution, at least the first step. And I think for me, like in that, I've, I've, in that situation before, I've just told, you know, kids, just give the ball to that person, you know, and they have, you know, and you do this thing, you know, instead, as opposed to like, well, if this happens to this, if this happens to this, if this like you're, you're taking Jante kind of out, you know, you're putting Jante in his own head and in, in a way and, and stuff. So it, I don't know Jante again, like what I'm, my, my speculation may not be completely founded. I just feel like that's what I've seen, you know, so Hopefully they'll hopefully he'll make the play next time. Fair enough. Seven yeah. and seven, one game out of six, I think. They're in fine shape. I mean, they were in fine shape yeah. last night too. I mean, it's uh the reactions have been swift, but yeah, they're I think they're fine. They played a tough schedule so far, too, worth noting. And yeah. uh I want to at least get one joke off, and that was the fact that uh um Nate McMillan was smiling somewhere about Jalen Johnson playing center on on Tuesday night for oh, the last yeah, eight minutes true. of the game. Because uh, he always viewed Jalen as a big. So there you go. Do we say goodnight, Nate? No, we can't do that. No. no, no, no. no don't. Get me <laughs> That's my joke. That's my joke. Yeah, everybody blame Glenn. That's my fault for instituting that. We only say goodnight uh, to good. person. Oh, good. Can we do All a right, happy Thanksgiving, do Bob? Happy, yeah, happy Thanksgiving, Bob. Bob.